You can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. I'd like to continue in our passages, and we've been looking at Romans, Romans 5, 6, 7, and now we're in Romans 8. We're talking about grace. Grace is amazing. I'm not sure if we totally understand the magnitude of grace. Because as I've been studying it, I've been trying to figure it out more and more and understand it greater. And the ushers are handing out a, a page for you just of a few notes that you can follow along. But it's Grace is not a man-made idea. Grace is not a concept that we have come up with to describe God. Grace gets its origin from God. Grace, if I could use this term, and I'm not sure if it will resonate with you, but grace is funded by God. Have you ever had something that you've experienced that somebody else funded or paid for that you got to enjoy? And it was like all expenses and the, and the funding was done and it was by someone else. Well, in some respects, if you look at it, grace is something that God has provided, God has paid for, God has extended to you and I. And we've spent a lot of time looking at grace, this line at the front of the church, beginning of the year, we talked about how that grace helps you go beyond what you could do yourself. So grace is something, grace is there for you every day, but grace is an empowerment, and grace gets you further than you can get on your own. Because if you didn't if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need grace. But there have been times when I have found I can't do it on my own. There are things that we've experienced ourselves, you and I, that have experienced it. It's like, God, I can't handle this. And what happens is he has grace that he extends to us and gives us that helps us go beyond what we could do. So at the beginning of this year, we wrote down on these little pieces of tape some of the things we were asking God to give us grace for so that I could go beyond my limit into what God has. And I believe that's for every believer here to go beyond what you could go beyond before. To me, that's an unfair advantage. You have something that a person that does not know God does not have. And it's not that you sit there and you boast about it. It's that you actually are able to extend and show them the grace that God has given you. But if you go to a job site, I believe as a believer... 
you have an unfair advantage over somebody because you got the Holy Spirit with you and His grace that can empower you and you can get ideas and thoughts that no other person there gets because no other person knows Christ or God the way that you do. I believe God can give creative ideas. I believe He can give you entrepreneurial thoughts. I believe He can give you inventions. And it's found through the grace of God. It's found through the intimacy of God. It's found through spending time with Him. And God extends grace. So we've been looking in Romans and we've been spending some time in Romans. In Romans 5, we saw the news of grace. In Romans 6, we saw our response to grace, how we should live. In Romans 7, we saw the dilemma of when I try to perform, how frustrated a guy. Have you ever tried to perform and you get exhausted because you just can't measure up? And there's an aspect of trying to perform. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. And when you look at Romans 7, Paul is talking about I, I, I. And he gets to the end and he goes, I'm, I'm just frustrated. What a wretched man I am. What a mystery I am. He says, but I found a way. And thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. And he talks, he, he finds the revelation of the power of the Holy Spirit. And instead of performing, we see the production or what the Holy Spirit produces in us. Then in chapter 8, we got to there's no condemnation because of grace. Because of walking in the Spirit and life in the Spirit. And if you and I walk in the Spirit, there's no condemnation to us. Even when we make a mistake. I'm walking in the Spirit. That, that's kind of, that's, that's unbelievable. Because humanly speaking, if somebody made a mistake after I gave them instructions and I gave them everything they needed to accomplish it and they made a mistake, you know what my response would be? And I probably could look at every one of us and I'd say, and I know what your response would be or your thoughts would be, maybe not your response. And so we have this, and in Romans 8 he says there's no condemnation. And it's almost like Romans chapter 8 is a revealing of grace. Romans 5, 6, and 7 talk about grace, talk about some of the dilemmas, talk about the situations. And then Romans 8, it's like how we live with grace. And it's like Paul has turned the page, but he's, he's opening up these pictures of what grace helps us do. And in Romans 8, we see that we live in the Spirit. And he changes the terminology and the verbiage from I, I, I to walking in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, having the Spirit with us. I cannot do things without the Holy Spirit. So he gets into Romans 8. And so we spent one week talking about no condemnation but living a life in the Spirit. Last week we saw that in respect to that, Paul says, you know what? I have a debt to pay because of grace. I owe my life. 
grace has a payment. Christ made a payment, but I also owe my life because of grace. I'm indebted to God. I don't get to make my own choices. I don't get to decide how I want to respond, but I am compelled and constrained by the Word of God on how I should live my life. There are times when situations happen to me that I would prefer not to have to forgive somebody. That's a thought. Every once in a while I get that thought. If I can be honest with you. I know none of you ever get that. I know, I know every one of you, the moment forgiveness is introduced, you go, I'm all in. I want to do this because, no, sometimes we struggle. Can, can we be honest? Sometimes there's a struggle with things like that. Sometimes there's a struggle with wanting the best for somebody else because every time they get the best, they waste it and they don't do anything good with it. So why should they get that? There's a struggle with that at times. And Paul says, no, I don't live like that, but I owe my life because of grace. I owe my life to God. Therefore, I will not do something to hurt my brother and my sister, even if I could do it. Grace has a a constraint and a compelling. Have you ever experienced a moment where you've wanted to do something and then you took a second thought and the Holy Spirit brought a verse to your mind and you said, no, okay, this is how I need to do it. That's walking in grace. Grace is not a license, it's an overpowering and an overcoming and an ability that God gives us and strength that he gives us to overcome some of those situations that maybe used to overcome us. And so in chapter 8, Paul has opened up these things and revealed them. And this, this morning I want to take a few moments and I want to talk about the wonder of grace, the majesty of grace, the power of grace, and the hope of grace. So I'd like to read Romans 8 from the Passion Translation, and you may have a different passage there in front of you, a different version. But I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, and I'm starting in verse 18. He says, I'm convinced that any, any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that's about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and growing of creation, as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly groan as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this is the hope of our salvation. But hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. 
For why would we need to hope for something we already have? So because our hope is set on what is yet to be seen, we patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or know the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings, yet he also understands the desires of, of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. His holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. Father, may you take these few moments and may these words fall into our hearts. May we, we, may we be receptive to hear what you have to say. In your precious name, amen. If I was to title my sermon, I'd title it Grace in the Middle. As a kid, not as a kid, as an adult, there used to be a show called Malcolm in the Middle. Did anybody ever see that show? I know you're afraid to raise your hands because somebody might judge you. But, but he was the middle, and he was always in tension, struggle. His younger brother got away with this, his older brother did this, and he was stuck in the middle. And sometimes I have found myself in this tension. If you look at this passage, Paul introduces things like suffering. Anybody here enjoy suffering? I know it says count it all joy when you fall into trouble and tribulations, but it doesn't mean that we always enjoy them, but we see something coming out of them. But he uses words like suffering, pain, Childbirth pain, which us men have no clue about. The closest we get to it is a man cold. And it's, you know, <laughs> I am not agreeing with that, no way. <laughs> he uses words like suffering, pain, groaning. I mean, I'm, I'm preparing this message and I'm going, oh, this is going to be an uplifting message. But can we be honest that sometimes life is challenging? I, I watch preachers preach, and sometimes it's like they're preaching all these great things, and this is this going to happen, this is going to happen. But sometimes the dirty now and now can be very difficult and challenging. Relationships, finances, Family, career, interpersonal things, personal tensions. All these, they can add tension. So this morning, if I could, I'd like to get a little bit out of the clouds and try to get into just some of our daily living. And what I'd like to do is see how grace is in the middle and how we can see and how we can use and how we can enjoy grace 
even going through some suffering. Because when we saw last week, Paul says, as a child of God and as part of the sonship and as part of the family, we get to enjoy the benefits of being part of the family, but we also endure the suffering. And as believers, sometimes we like the glory, 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 but there's also challenges in life. Suffering. Sometimes it's, it's real suffering. Sometimes it's suffering people put on you. Sometimes it's personal or physical. So I'd like to take a few moments and I'd like to see from a different thought process how we can see grace in the middle. The first thing I want us to see is, is in the middle of your pain, see from a different perspective. A number of years ago, Winona and I were in Arizona and we went on this climb up this mountain. And it was interesting as we climbed up this mountain, and their mountains are like 300 feet high. They're not like Grouse Mountain. So it took us about 25 minutes to, to get to the top. But what we found was the higher we got, the different the way the ground looked. And our perspective changed. When we got out of the vehicle, everything was this direction. We started to climb, and all of a sudden we could see beyond that vehicle. We saw a different perspective. We climbed a little higher. We saw a different perspective. We climbed even further. We, we saw a different perspective. So this morning, I want us to see, can we look at our pain from a different perspective? And you say, well, thank you very much. I just want to read the Bible to you. I want to read the Bible to you. It says, Paul writes here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I consider that sufferings of this, temp of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed in us. So the first thing I want us to see about grace in the middle of things is the perspective that changes. You know I have an eternal perspective. My perspective is not just on this earth, but my perspective goes on beyond my lifespan on earth. And there are things that we can look at through grace that I will change the way I look at this suffering because this suffering, it is painful, it might hurt, it might be challenging, but this is not the end of me. This is not the end of everything. But this is a temporary or temporal situation, but I have an eternal destination. So changing the way we look at things. A future glory. You could ask the question, what will I gain from this? Ask questions in that painful moment. Because sometimes, if we don't learn from it, what happens? You get to do it again. There are things in life, 
Pastor Nelson would refer to it as going around the mountain. If we haven't understood or grown from that, sometimes we'll have the tendency to repeat those errors. If we haven't learned how to manage that relationship, we'll end up coming around that mountain and going through it again. And the pain of hurt, the pain of discomfort, the pain of rejection is there. But if we can get a perspective of the glory that's to come, I might change the way I look at that, and I might even change the way I behave with that individual or that situation. Because now I'm not just looking at my pain, but I'm looking at my future. I've had relationships that have gone sour. I had a gentleman put his finger in my face and accuse me of things on the steps of a church on a Sunday. And he was a friend. I knew where he worked. And I would actually drive by his place of business where he worked every day. And I had tears. But I decided that when I drove by his place of work, I would ask God to bless him. And you know what? It changed my pain. It changed my pain. And instead of dwelling in it and living on it, and and it was hurtful. It was hard. But if we don't learn from that, if we don't change our perspective, and so I decided, as hard as it was, I decided I'm not going to live feeding off of that hurt and everything. I'm going to learn from that, and I'm going to look at a perspective that's eternal. I want that individual to get the blessing of God. I want that individual to see God's goodness. So every time I drove by his place of business, I would say, God bless him. Some days, it came easy. But I took it from a different perspective. Asked the question, what is this really in the big picture? I'm sure we've heard this phrase, he made a mountain out of a molehill. Have Have you ever made a mountain out of, I mean, God can move mountains, but sometimes they're molehills. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Paul's talking about perspective. He says, I've got this present suffering, but it compares to nothing when I look at eternity. And in today's day and world, today's day and age, we take a one minute sound bite, and our life is dictated by that. Instead of looking at an eternal perspective and saying, this is the glory that lies ahead for me. Grace in the middle. Do some spiritual accounting. Do some spiritual accounting. Say, Lord, where am I on this ledger? And be honest. Too often I find the other person has to change and I don't have to change. (laughs) It was their fault. It was them. But there's been times when I've done the spiritual accounting and I've sat down and I've said, Lord, 
help me. And I've read through this, and I found out I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I responded. Do the spiritual accounting. I'm trying to give you right now some practical things that you can turn that pain into something that you can see an eternal reward and eternal glory. Never make the temporal bigger than the eternal. Never make the temporary bigger than eternity. And that's something we all do in society and in life. But get a big picture perspective. Yes, there's a little picture perspective. I have no problem with that. But if you do things always in the little picture, what happens is you start living like this instead of living and seeing large. When I was a kid, we would walk to school and we had to walk across this field. And where we had to walk, you could walk a straight line from where we wanted to go, to, uh, from where we were to where we wanted to go. But you know what happened? We walked it, we got to the end, you'd look back and you see you go like this. Have you ever noticed that? A path that could be a straight line through a field? Why? Because we started to walk like this. And we were looking where we're going. Oh, I'm going to miss this. Oh, I don't want to deal with that. Oh, and then we turned around, and it wasn't a straight line. Literally. It was curved. And all it was was a field with no obstructions. But we didn't have a big picture in mind. We looked at our feet, and we looked where we were walking instead of seeing a larger picture. So get a perspective In the middle of your suffering, here's the second thing. In the middle of your suffering, you have the Spirit. You have the Spirit. In the middle of your suffering, you have the Spirit. Paul says, and not only this, but we ourselves in verse 23 having the first fruits of the Spirit, even when we groan within ourselves. You have the Spirit with you. In the middle of everything that you're going through, in the picture of pain, suffering, in the picture of conflict, in the picture of tension, you have the Spirit in your suffering. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. You're not in this alone. I want to build your faith this morning in how we see and how we grow in the grace that God has given us, and it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not some mental ascension that I have. It is not some trick that I can play with my mind. It is a full reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit. And in your suffering, you have the first fruit of the down payment of what God has for you, and that's the Holy Spirit. 
So you have a down payment, as Pastor Daniel said earlier, a down payment. You don't get taken back. You have this. It is yours. You did nothing to earn it. God gave it to you. He is the Holy Spirit. And what's amazing about this down payment is it's God. And he's saying, I'm going to seal this with my spirit who's a down payment of everything that's to come. So in the middle of your suffering, you have the spirit. Can I have you all look at me for a second? I want to ask you a question. In the middle of your suffering, how often do you talk with the Spirit? Okay, you can look at your notes. In the middle of your suffering, you have the Spirit. The next thing I want you to see is in the middle of your weakness, the Spirit has you. As I was studying that this morning and going through my notes, and it, it, it struck me. In the middle of my suffering, I have the Spirit. But in the middle of my weakness, the Spirit has me. It's not just a play on words. It's how God operates. And he says, listen, I've given you my Spirit. Here he is. And then he goes, and by the way, when you struggle and when you're having a hard time, the Spirit's with you. Not only do you have him, but now he's got you. It says that he, in the middle of our weakness, he helps us. Even when we groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption, waiting for the redemption... In the same way the Spirit, talks here in verse 26, helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So in my suffering, I have the Spirit, but also in my weakness, the Spirit's got me. That's why later on when we say nothing can separate because I'm in him and he's in me and I, I'm covered with him. I can't always explain it, but I know. And it's like, well, who are you? Is it your own strength? It's not my strength, but yet it is my strength. It's not that I'm doing it, but yet I am doing it. But it's also the Spirit's doing it. And yet the Spirit's saying, no, you're doing it. I can't always figure it out. And there's times when... I might be the one you see, and there's other times when it's definitely not me because, you know, if it was me, I wouldn't do that way, but it's the Holy Spirit with me. So in my suffering, I have the Spirit. And in my weakness, the Spirit has me. And he intercedes, and that word intercedes means he pleads my case. Pastor Winona and I will sometimes have each one of us make calls for the other, which sometimes makes for funny conversation. Because I'll ask her to call somebody because I'm on the road driving. So I'll say, can you call Pastor Daniel? 
because I need to ask him something. And I tell her what I want him, her to ask, so she'll call him, she'll get him on the phone, and she's asking a question, and all of a sudden I go, well, but don't forget this. And, she'll, and, uh, and don't forget that. And oh, did you ask him about that? What did he say about this? And I have my wife interceding for me with my brother. But sometimes I think I still need to intercede because I'm not sure if the question was asked or phrased or said in the same way. Or if I knew the response by my brother, I might say it in a different way. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on, husbands, wives. We have the Holy Spirit interceding for us. I don't have to come up to him and say, did you get it right? I don't have to go to him, Holy Spirit, and say, how did he answer? Well, did you really ask him the way I told you to ask? I don't have to go to the Holy Spirit and say, well, when he said it and he responded, how did he, what, what was his facial look like? What, did, did you actually tell him why I needed that done today? Because the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and he's with us and he's there for us and he's got me and I've got him. He is the best representative that I can have before the Father. And if you study this, there's a two times the word intercede is used. And one time the word intercede actually means super intercede. I don't know about you, but that builds my faith because he argues the case a whole lot better than I could ever present the case. And he knows me. He knows me better than I know myself. And the last thing I want us to see here, actually there's two things. In the middle of your groaning, as it talks about us groaning, in the middle of your groaning, the Spirit groans. And what's interesting about this this is powerful. The spirit groans. It's not that he speaks in another language. Some people will say, oh, well, that's just the heavenly language. No, it actually means he uses, he doesn't even utter words, words that you can't use. He, he goes, he groans, he sighs. He's like, oh. This morning, The Holy Spirit is interceding, pleading your case to the Father. And the emotion that he puts in there, he doesn't just use words, but he sighs. And he goes, oh, if only, oh. Have you ever had pain inside of you that you can't even express? If I can be transparent with you this morning, there's been times when all I could do was let out a scream that wasn't even a word. 
that was just anguish. And I'm sure if we'd be honest with each one of us, there's been times when we've wanted to take a baseball bat Come on. Don't look at me like it's never happened to you. I'd like five minutes with a baseball bat and something I could damage. And that I didn't have to pay for. And what I'm doing is I'm expressing things that I can't express with words. And I'm just going, ah! The Holy Spirit, now he doesn't have temper tantrums, but the Holy Spirit has that emotion inside of him. He's not unemotional. And he groans, he aches and he groans as he sees us groaning. He groans and he goes, Father, oh, he'll never let you down. He'll never Never let you down. This is the grace that God gives us. There's high times. I love the high times. But there's also sometimes in the middle. Where the only expression I have is tears. That he's there. And he stands and he takes my case and he super intercedes and he brings it before the Father. And there's times he doesn't even use words with the Father, but he just groans. And you know what else happens? Is he intercedes for me according to the will of the Father. And that's the last point I want to show you, that in the middle of all this, Not only does he groan for you, but he pleads for you according to the will of the Father. Which is the perfect will. Which is the best thing that can happen for you. It might not, you might not think it's the best thing, but it's the best thing that can happen for you. He pleads your case. He intercedes. He makes intercession for you. And he knows the Father's heart. And it says that he who knows our heart, talking about the Father. So he who knows our heart, here's the Spirit making intercession for us according to the will of the Father. Have you ever had somebody make a decision for you that you wish you could have made because they made it self-serving? They were just serving their own interests and they somehow included me in that. And now I have to do this because they wanted this to happen. The Holy Spirit does not do that. Grace in the middle of everything you do is still consistent with what God wants for you. He doesn't change the goalposts. He doesn't change his mind because one day you behaved like this, the next day. No, his will for you is always the same, consistent, perfect, and it it is according to God's will for you. So the position I'm in right now, I'm in God's perfect will. 
because the one who intercedes and pleads and groans for me does it according to God's will for my life. This is the beauty of grace. When you look back at your life and you see the picture of grace, it will be a straight line. When you see the picture of what we've done, it's a curve. But the grace of God is consistent. It's the same. He's there for you. He doesn't change his mind. He's super smart. And he pleads with God better, better than you could ever plead your own case. Grace in the middle. I'd like to pray for you. This morning, we heard the words, there's a miracle, and there's miracles. If you feel like you're having a hard time seeing beyond the mess, can I pray for you? If you're in a situation right now and you don't know the answer, and if we can be honest with each other, if your situation right now, you go, I just don't know what to do, can I pray for you? If you're going, I, I'm in this thing and, and boy, I could really use some, some smarts right now, can I pray for you? Because I want to ask the Holy Spirit to show himself even more real to you right now. And that you might find that you're in the middle and there might be pain, there might be suffering, there might be groaning, there might be hurt or discomfort, but I'm here to tell you that the glory that's ahead, that the spirit that's with you, that the power of God is not vacant and is not nil. It is there and it is real and he is there for you to give you the grace in your situation right now. If you could use that, can I ask you to stand? I'd like to pray for you. I'd also like to say if you'd like to get to know the Savior and you've never accepted him before, you can stand right now and you can get to know him and the grace that he has for you. If you just raise your hands, I'm just going to pray for you. I want this melody just to play over you. Just let this melody play over you. Yes. Father, may we see and understand grace in ways that maybe we did not understand before. And Lord, may we understand your grace in greater dimensions. 
In whatever situations we may face, the individuality of each one of us and the personalities and the characteristics of each situation, we bring them to you and we ask God for your Holy Spirit to come and to give us strength, to give us grace, to give us perspective, to intercede for us, so that although we may be in the middle of something, we have hope because of you. Because of you, we have a hope that goes beyond the situation. We thank you for that. In your precious name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you.